And there was times that I ran away <laughs> from home. Wow. I, I ran away a handful of times, actually. And each time my mother would find me and she would welcome me back with open arms. There could have been so many situations that I put myself in that I probably wouldn't be here right now. I know better, I'm gonna do better. And some people won't allow you to do better, to be better. They want to keep you in this place before, but you have to understand, I've moved on from here and this is where I am now. And meet me where I am and not where I was. Are you ready? <laughs> you got this, girl. Love Girls, the podcast is all about storytelling and empowerment. Our mission is to share a space for women and girls to talk about the stuff that matters to them most. Love speaks to the support we give each other as we search for our own path to success. L, we can lead the way. O, overcome barriers. V, value each other. E, and empower each other. That's love. Because every girl has a story. And our stories matter. Welcome to another episode of Love Girls, the podcast. I'm Brianna Haney. I'm 13, and I'm a student at Rivermont Collegiate. Hey, guys. This is Delasia Dixon. I'm an online student at Central High School. And I am Teresa Babers. I am mentor and volunteer with Love Girls Magazine. And we're here today for another special episode with two very special people. Um, I'm going to start with... Daisy Moran Yay. and Daisy is a past uh, Love Award honoree for her commitment to young women in this community and the volunteer work that she has done. She has had some struggles in her life, but she has overcome those. And I think you're really an inspiration to the young women in the community. And we're just really happy to have you here today. Yay! Yay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's great to meet you, Daisy. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. And that extra voice we hear is Chef Keys. <laughs> and uh, Chef Keys, I met recently. Um, I had some of her wonderful food in her lovely home. Bucky. And she was <laughs> so warm and inviting. She is relatively new to the Quad City area. Mm -hmm. She's been here about uh, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, she's also overcome some struggles in her life. And I think that if you don't know her, you need to get to know her. Oh, Not only right. is her food special, <laughs> but she is special also. Oh. And uh, a great opportunity for our young people here today um, to ask their questions and for all of us to share our stories. So. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Let's get started. All right. So I wanted to start it off with a little game. Last episode, Delaysia started off with uh -huh. a game. So I kind of took that idea. Um, okay. So it's just a little icebreaker questions that I made up. So the first one is describe yourself in one word. Delaysia. One word. Yeah. Um, I would say that I'm very open. I feel That's like... two words, Delaysia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, open the bed. I agree with that. So, I'm just like open to a lot of yeah. new things. Like, I've been doing the podcast, I wrote an article for the magazine, I've done art for the Love Girls, and I just want to try a lot of new things. Yeah, awesome. Daisy? Ooh, I would have to pick 
passionate um, just because I feel anything that I do in life, I give it my all and I do it with my heart and I lead with empathy. Um, and many times people have told me I'm maybe too passionate, which I don't think is a thing because not possible. I, I feel like people need more passion in their lives. Yeah. Absolutely. I would say I'm persistent. Throughout my life, I've had, I've been faced with so many obstacles and my will and my drive to succeed has always been that thing to keep me going. I refuse to quit, I refuse to fail, and I refuse to allow other people's opinions about me define who I am. Um, I read something by Audre Lorde as a, like, as a teen and that kind of, that, that's my motivation. Definitely persistence. Um, mine's not really a word, it's more of like a name, but I would say mine is activist. I'm very, I love to speak up for things that I believe in, especially like for my friends or people that need it. Like I stood up for my entire class last Friday for a situation at my school and not a lot of people do that in my class. And I was, I was the first one to speak up and I'm known for that. And my English teacher actually said that she asked what I want to be when I'm older. And I told her like, oh, I just want to be a teacher. And she said, I see you as an activist because you are one of the only people in this class that stand up for what's right. So I would say that I'm an activist. Well, good. Those are all great answers. What about you, Ms. Teresa? Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, what word describes me? Um, I hope it's caring. Okay. I hope that's that's the word. Um, I, I care a lot about the yeah. young women that I work with, mm -hmm. and uh, just more and more people keep coming into that circle. And so it's always a blessing on the other end. Yeah. So. The next question we got is who is or who was your celebrity crush? Oh, I'll go, I'll go first on this one. I'll go first. So over the years, I have had lots of celebrity crushes because I watch Disney. <laughs> so mainly a lot of them come from that. But I'd say now it's probably Harry Styles. I don't know. Oh. I love him. That's a good one. Uh, this might be so weird, but have you guys <laughs> have you guys seen Zootopia? Yeah, <gasps> no, 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 Delasia. No, the fox is a cartoon. No, there's something about <laughs> no. it. There's just something. Oh, oh, okay, maybe everybody's saying that. Could be. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I think I'm gonna go the Disney Channel route as well. Oh wait, no, they weren't on Disney Channel. I missed them. Uh, the Sandlot. That was my <gasps> first crush, Benny oh, Rodriguez. What? I was like, I'm gonna marry a baseball player, <laughs> but in real life, I ended up with a soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> so, is this our first crush or a crush? Um, either one. I'm gonna go with my first crush was Marion from like when he was in B2K. Oh, listen, <laughs> it was something about him. He was the lead singer, he was in charge, he was cute, it was the braids, the earrings. Mm -hmm. So, definitely Marion. Still is someone. <laughs> oh, oh, let's see. Um, okay, so I've been married for 30 years, so it's uh, you know, my first crush was my husband. <laughs> but um, I would have to say um, I have two. Two? Okay. Uh, yeah, one two is like if I were if I were younger, it would be my crush 
Okay. You know, like mm-hmm. if I could go back in time. Um, and the other one is who I had a crush on when I was younger. And okay. so I would say Denzel Washington. Oh my God. <laughs> so, he, he's the man, right? So mm-hmm. he's your, if you were younger or would you go that, back in time? Denzel Washington is the crush. Back the then. crush. <laughs> now, then, whenever. Whenever. You know, uh, no, number two. Okay. And so, um, but if I were younger now, um, I would say it would be Michael B. Jordan. Oh, That's a good one. Don't so, what was the name of the movie that just came out? He looked. Amazing. Oh, wasn't it where he was like, uh, he was in the military yes. and his wife had yes. a baby? Yes. It was like Dear dear Something because they were writing a letter to his baby or something like that. I thought it was Jordan's Journey. Oh, it was, was something it? like that. No. That's another, that's another, that's another one. This is if this was an Amazon original movie. I can't yes. remember. With Lauren London. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, he well. was fine in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to have to look for that because I have apparently missed <laughs> you have another question. Can I, can I slide one more in there? Yeah. yeah. Amari Hardwick. Uh, I, do you guys know? Him. Okay. So it's from the show Power. Where he oh, yes. Yes. man. Yep. Okay. And there's nothing else that needs to be said about that. <laughs> To get to know you guys more, um, I want to ask if you can tell us about your life growing up and like the challenges you've had to overcome. Ooh, right. You going deep? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to go first? Daisy. Okay. Um. Well, I've always said that our experiences shape our identities. And who I am today is credited to my mother, my abuelita, which is my grandmother in Spanish, mm-hmm. and trauma. I was raised in a single parent household. My mother is uh, immigrated from Mexico with her mother. And from an early age, I, w- I saw independence, strength, and resilience. The unconditional love I received always made me feel whole. I didn't feel I was missing anything until I started attending elementary school. Mm-hmm. And that's where I experienced discrimination. Mm-hmm. I first was aware I didn't have a normal household when we had the father-daughter dance and I said I don't have a father so I cannot attend this event and I was only in the second grade and that has been a core memory that has stayed with me in my adult years also I'll never forget the day that one of my second grade teachers uh, asked me to come to her class and I was kind of shocked like why is she asking me to come to her class she asked me to stand in front of the classroom and she held up a magazine of an indigenous woman from Guatemala, and she said, "Doesn't this girl look like Daisy?" The teacher and the whole gla- the whole class. I can't remember if they were silent or they agreed, but I remember just standing there uncomfortable and looking at the magazine cover and saying, "That girl looks nothing like me." I was like, "Yeah, we might have the same brown skin, but that's about it." So oh those kind God. of experiences shaped my childhood, and that's kind of when I started to be aware of the things that I didn't have not because I wasn't experiencing them, but because other people were telling me, this is what you don't have. Mm. I'm sorry. That yeah. teacher sucks, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeez. Um, growing up, I was raised by my great grandparents. My mother was an addict. My father was a drug dealer. He was deported at, in Jamaica. 
And everybody in my house were functioning addicts of some sort. I had an aunt who used to sniff coke, smoke crack. I had an uncle the same way, used to do heroin. My grandfather was just an alcoholic and emotionally and just completely absent. And I was raised by two senior citizens. So because of this, I have this hyper sense of responsibility and I've learned how to cope and do things basically on my own. Um, at the age of six, I was molested by a one of her foster children. I don't know, what, what would you call him, a cousin or something? I don't know, but it was a foster child that she was raising. And I guess, you know, I felt he was family. He was supposed to be safe. And we were playing video games one day and he started to touch me inappropriately. And this is the reason why I detest video games to this day. Mm. Uh, growing up, my mom, you know, she came back and I was still going through her addiction with her until she decided like, you know what, enough is enough. And then I went through treatment with her and I basically had to be the adult in my own realm. and. I had to anticipate her everything and you know she was focused on getting better and focused on missing uh you know recouping all the things that she had missed out on so there was very little room for error and that's something that she used to tell me all the time we don't have time to mess up we got to get this done the right way so striving for perfection has been something that i've always had to do and then when i'm faced with hurdles and I don't do it the way mm -hmm. it's supposed to be done, I have this insurmountable feeling of guilt and inadequacies that to this day I still suffer from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you've both overcome so well, you know, to be these strong, independent women. And I think it's just a great reminder that you know, whatever you might be going through, especially for young women, um, it's not the end of the story. Mm -hmm. It's not. Even as an adult, I've made mistakes and I have to, I've learned that I should give myself grace. And that's the hardest thing, mm -hmm. trying to be better and understand like, you know what, this was a, a faux pas, a mess up. You know what, I'm gonna, I know better, I'm gonna do better. And some people won't allow you to do better to be better. They want to keep you in this place before, but you have to understand, I've moved on from here and this is where I am now and meet me where I am and not where I was. Yes, yes. I love that. And I always say too, like, I've come this far, so I'm not gonna stop. Like, we didn't come this far just to get this far. Absolutely. So we gotta keep yeah. going and keep pushing. I like that. <laughs> I like that, I'm gonna use that. So another question we got, since you guys grew up in troubling childhoods, how was your self-esteem growing up? Like, did you have trouble with it or was it just something that you kind of pushed away or? I didn't have time to think about it. What about you, Daisy? Um, I think it, it really hit me during puberty when the pressure of society and my friends and just everything around me felt like I, I didn't fit the, the standard of beauty. Whereas I felt like for example, in high school, I even dyed my hair blonde. I got green contacts because I was trying to get that Eurocentric beauty standard that's so pushed on us. Me too. 
And then it wasn't until college where I really started to love my dark brown indigenous features. And I said, my beauty is truly in the eye of the beholder. So I don't need to seek external validation for my self-worth. I need to do the internal work to really validate my own self-love and my own beauty. As a kid, I remember distinctly taking a bath in bleach because I wanted to whiten my skin. And I was a victim of a lot of colorism. I was teased, I was called Whoopi Goldberg. I was, uh, I was called darky, tar baby, blacky, all kind of things that you could think about in the community, in the African-American community. And my mother, <laughs> she made me watch every single Spike Lee movie ever <laughs> made, especially School days. I was gonna say, yeah, especially. Right. You guys haven't seen that. You'll have to <laughs> see it. Okay, okay. You know what? I, I never give young people enough credit, and I'm glad that they call me on it every time. I'll say, "Oh, do you know what this is?" They're like, "We know what that is." <laughs> School days, the Jigaboos and the Wannabes, and that's and as I got older, I started to have an appreciation for my dark skin at my eyes, my high cheekbones, but you know, growing up in the black community, being mixed is what's in. Mm -hmm. The, the what, what is it? The proximity to whiteness? Yes. It's what is praised. Mm -hmm. My mom never let me wear weave. I could wear braids, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. Have you seen though, um, that uh, British Vogue cover? No, I oh, haven't. Okay, you'll have to uh, Google that. Um, but they put, I want to say, six or seven African models on there. Um, very, very dark skinned. And I just happened to jump down in the comments, my favorite place to be, also, <laughs> but also a dangerous place to be. Um, but, you know, some people were like, uh, you would think that Vogue would get the lighting better. But the thing is, uh -huh. is that it was intended to be dark. Right. Because they are dark. And so whoever hasn't seen the British uh, Vogue cover that came out with the African models, you'll have to check that out. Because uh, something for um, young people to look at who have darker skin mm -hmm. and feel better about that. Because I know that that's been really hard for a long time. But hopefully we're making progress. Yeah, we yeah. are. Mm -hmm. With makeup, all those things, they used, it used to be very difficult. Uh, I had a, an aunt used to tell me growing up or like in the 80s and 90s, there was only one shade and it was like deep and it kind of looked a little ashy and yeah. chalky when it came to makeup oh. then. Mm -hmm. And she's like, even with the hair weaves, the textures were really off, the wigs looked really bad for the African-American women. Mm -hmm. And she's like, now, the beauty scene is completely different and it's 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 so much better but there's still work um i i think in beauty school they don't even learn how to do our hair texture and they're still confused where we have to learn how to do theirs which is crazy to me yeah, yeah. absolutely now when it comes to you guys' childhood, how do you think that it affected your teenage and adult years? Um, the men or the boys at that time, the boys I dated were older 
I found myself looking for the father figure. I placed myself in situations that were not supposed to be someone who were 15 and 16 years old. Um, I, at 15, I was actually raped outside my, my high school by five guys. Horrific, horrific sort of situation. And I didn't tell anybody. I just kind of packed it up as if I, it was my fault. I was somewhere where I shouldn't have been. And I carried those sort of stigmas early into my mid-20s. I didn't kind of like relinquish those those ideals of what I thought love was. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I just saw um, an article about girls of color sexualizing their bodies and things mm -hmm. like that. I think this kind of came up with um, R. Kelly mm -hmm. and uh, the verdict and all of that happening, like with so much responsibility placed on the young person yeah. in terms of their body, mm -hmm. in terms of how their body's seen by other people. And I want to ask this uh, specifically to Delasia and Brianna your bodies and how people see them because you know when i was your age <laughs> you know the boys just felt comfortable just saying whatever they wanted yeah about your body whenever oh. they wanted to it still yeah. happens Nothing which you know <laughs> is a is a violation yeah. you know i think and it's like Amen. you're just supposed to be okay, okay with that yeah it's I don't know if it's just me, but I feel that black girls are a lot more sexualized than we have to be because we have the curves and the butt. And it's just like, especially for me, like I'm developed already and I get that sometimes. Like there was a time where I was, I just got called off by a guy and I was like, oh no, let's not do that. And it's just like really uncomfortable because you can't help that and it's, it's just like confusing, especially being young. And it happens to girls all the time and it's really hard to try to stop it when it's not your fault, it's them who's doing it to you. Mm -hmm. And the children. Yeah, you know? and that's the crazy thing is that we're kids and Ooh, there's grown men saying, oh, look at her butt. No, that is a 15 year old girl that you're talking about. You that's need to- deal, play ball. That is a familiar um, saying amongst men who think that it is okay to approach a young woman who is at least 16 years old. Her mm -hmm. body's right. She wants this. Like, mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I've yeah. seen them, especially behind the bars. They Oof. come up with all kind of excuses on why they did what they did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it certainly takes a great deal of self-esteem to have something to say. Um, I just think it it makes people uncomfortable, and it seems like in 2022 we should be past that, right? We right. should be past um, being okay with, uh, for lack of a better phrase, boys will be boys. Like we should we should be past that by now. Right. I can remember being in Walmart with my daughters um, when they were teenagers, and them come running up behind me. This man keeps following me around the store, oh, asking for my number, commenting on my body. And so they run to me for protection. And someone actually says, oh, both your daughters look good. 
It's like, so you know I'm their parent, uh-huh. or you suspect that I'm their parent, you and you're say still that? saying stuff. Like, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, that culture is not cool. So hopefully in the future, it's going to be better for every generation. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit cynical, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm hopeful. Very jaded myself. Yeah. I don't I don't see it getting any better. I actually see it getting a tad bit worse or staying the same mm-hmm. because you know what they'll flip on you. Well, girls don't respect themselves, so why should we respect them? Look how women are um, presenting themselves nowadays. They're scantily clad, half naked. Look at the, the lyrics of the music. So they that's how they justify the treatment of us. Mm-hmm. But we are empowered and we have excellent role models and we're moving forward. Yes, we're moving ma'am. forward. And to add to that, I've noticed that I got hit on more when I was 12 in my preteens and going through puberty than I do now. And it's very disturbing because now I'm a grown woman, I'm 25 years old. But like I said, for some reason, I was more attractive to people when I was a child, you know, going through puberty. And kind of similar to you, like I I was developing faster than my peers. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I had a fuller chest, you know, I had I had hips and stuff. But it's just very disturbing to think that grown men would rather harm and cause trauma to a child than protect a child. Even Mm -hmm. if that man knows children, they somehow still want to cross that boundary. Right. Because you're not their child. Exactly. And they see your pubescent body as if it's ripe for the picking. Yeah. And she's just right. And they rather someone young and tender, that's all tenderoni from Bobby Brown, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> this isn't new. And they see that and they just, they want to, I've had someone tell me, I want someone fresh out of high school who hasn't had all the trauma before. And it's like, wow. Ew. Yeah. Even though I know he's not of that caliber, it's just like, how many other men who are of this caliber feel this way and prey on innocent women, mm-hmm. younger women, who don't have the wits about them as of yet? We're just going to keep talking about it. And um, <laughs> you two girls, two boys, <laughs> keep their distance. <laughs> yes. Keep their space. And uh, But it can be tough to speak up for your boundaries. How did you guys find hope and overcome the dark moments in your life? How did you manage to get out of those situations? That is a great question. And I feel that to this day, you know, I feel like the goal is sometimes like, oh, I want to be cured of depression. I I want to seek 100% happiness. And that's just unrealistic. Happiness is an emotion and all emotions last about 20 seconds or 30 seconds. So I think the goal is to how can you be content with the present moment? How can you appreciate mindfulness and really appreciate the day-to-day tasks that may seem like a burden or daunting, but at the same time finding joy in that? Like, it's all about switching your perspective and mindset. So instead of saying, oh man, I have to get up and go to work or go to school like another day, Think of it as, wow, I have this privilege to attend school and get this education that maybe not many women in this country or in the world may not have access to. Or I have the privilege of going to this job that I always dreamed about and worked towards. 
So I think it's more about switching the perspective and your mindset and really challenging those negative emotions to positive emotions. Whenever I get nervous or anxious, I just tell myself, no, you're excited. You're feeling excitement right now instead of viewing it as a negative thing because your brain is so powerful. Whatever you tell your brain, that's the reality you're creating. So even if you're going through a dark time, just saying some affirmations in the morning, reminding yourself of the gratitude that you have, it really does make a difference in how your brain reciprocates that information. Um, I wanna ask, do you feel like you got the mental health care that you needed during those times? Was it available Absolutely to you? not. Okay. Um, especially being a young woman of color coming from an immigrant background, my parents had no education. Uh, my mom, she only had a high school diploma. That was her highest level of education. So even speaking up about mental health, the first thing was, oh, just pray about it. Speak to God, go to church, and he will cure you. But I know I needed more than just spiritual health. I needed access to professional health. And when I did receive that professional health, the first time I went to Robert Young, I think I was in third grade around that time. And I had an older white therapist who was so disconnected from my culture and my upbringing that the majority of the session, I was educating on her on what it meant to be a Latina and what these different experiences were to me compared to how she was perceiving them. In college, I started medication, and I didn't like that experience as well either because when you go to a psychiatrist, you're in there for 30 minutes, you briefly talk about your symptoms, and they're like, okay, we'll prescribe you this amount, and we'll see you next month and see what happens. Yeah. But they're not really getting into touch and really getting down to the nitty-gritty root cause of mental health. So I feel like we need to look at mental health not as a pharmaceutical or business model, but look at it as a holistic practice and really get back to our indigenous roots. Because I feel like a lot of indigenous practices do help with their mental health. And that's something that has helped me. I've, I've tried the mainstream model of medication and therapy and that didn't work for me. But not saying that doesn't work for others, because it does. All treatment is different and unique to each person. For me, I found that connecting to nature, connecting to my roots and my culture, building my community, that's what helped me with my own depression. And if you are navigating the mental health care system right now and it's not working for you, create your own system. We tell people like, oh, you need to get a seat at the table to make change. But I always say you can create your own change by creating your own table. You don't need to be invited to the mainstream. And even I would say white supremacy models and systems that were built because we were not, we were excluded from the very beginning that this country was founded on. So I always say support your black and brown uh, therapists, your brown and black uh, mental health professionals, because I truly think that they are the ones that are doing it for the community, by the community. And they truly understand the hardships and experiences that we have. Absolutely. Yes. Is it a hat? Can we go to that? <laughs> <laughs> a word? Okay. okay. It's crazy. Yeah, because we need to hear that, and the community needs to hear that. Because, Absolutely. you know, we're expecting children to heal themselves. You know, that's what we're saying when we don't give them access to the services that they need. So thank you for that. Yes, and a lot of times parents stifle their children by saying that they know what's best. Um, you know, my mother, my mother literally did the best that she could. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, bash my mom, but you can only give what you have. 
I want you to know. Mm-hmm. So me looking forward was, I'm going to be grown. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to have this. I'm going to do that. That was my mindset. And, you know, depression is different than everyone else. Some people may be in a room sleeping for hours. I am high functioning. I have mm-hmm. to constantly do something. I'm not one of those people who can just sit there and like relax. I think that I'm wasting space. Mm-hmm. So I fight with depression every day, every mm-hmm. single day. Mm-hmm. And that's a great point that you just brought up that depression looks so different <clears throat> in other people. And we don't talk about the high functioning uh, depressed individuals. And just, I, I would also say I'm also high functioning depressed. But from the outside looking in, you would have never guessed that I had mental health issues or the experiences that I've gone through. When they say, what do you have to be depressed about? You have everything. Yes, yeah. I hate that one. I hate that one. I wish young girls would have someone to look up to and, you know, not to emulate, but to kind of give you like that, that roadmap, like, hey, listen, girl, things going to get a little treacherous over here <laughs> and just guide you guys. Yes, a survival yeah. guide. <laughs> so, Daisy, when it came to like um, the depression, how did it first begin like what really caused that for you yeah so i was medically diagnosed uh, when i was 20 years old in college um and that's mainly because i didn't have access to mental health like i I wish i would have and i didn't have the terminology the language uh the skills and resources to identify that i was depressed but looking back i can pinpoint exactly when it started and that was my freshman year in high school when I was experiencing bullying by my peers. And it just felt like the whole school just didn't want me, not only not to not want me at school, but wanted me to end my life. And my sophomore year, I attempted suicide. That's all attributed to kind of like that beauty standard. I was being bullied because people said I was overweight. (laughs) And looking back, I was like, wow, I wasn't even overweight, you know? but it really messed me up in my mind, in my mental health. So even to this day, sometimes I overly check myself out in the mirror. And sometimes it's hard for me to even go shopping for clothes because it just triggers me and brings me back to that experience as a freshman girl in high school of not feeling good about myself, not feeling good of what I'm wearing. It was a tough time in high school, but at the same time, I kind of tried to do the inner work and of healing and kind of reflect back on what were the good moments in high school. So that every time I think back to my freshman and sophomore year, it's not just the negatives, it's what was the positives that happened during that year. I want to uh, put Delasia on blast just for a minute because she Uh-oh. brought this up. She brought this up during a previous uh, podcast and she talked about, you know, she really has to work at finding value. And I know you wanted to revisit that topic. You know, it's just hard for me to hear young women not see the value of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you see value, but, but not, but not always. Right. Sometimes you struggle with that. No, don't. Because you're going to make me cry. Don't. I don't know. I'm getting emotional. 
<laughs> it's okay. I always Bro. say you need to feel the emotions because if you don't feel the emotions, you're suppressing it and it's just going to come out 10 times stronger yeah. somewhere yeah. in another situation. We're here for you, yeah. you know? Absolutely. And every chance I get to remind you of just what a spectacular young woman you are, yeah. I'm just going to do that. And I know that sometimes that can make us feel Better. some kind of way, you know? But that can make us feel emotional or <laughs> uncomfortable um, a little bit. But um, she's a very open person. And she shared that with us. And I think that that is a value in and of itself, your willingness to be open. And be because vulnerable. There's, be vulnerable because there's someone listening who can't say that. Right. You know, I have struggles with self-worth sometimes. I'm 33 years old. And, you know, like I was telling you guys earlier, it doesn't get any easier dealing with self-worth mm -hmm. and dealing with self-esteem or trying to find your way in society or who, mm -hmm. who am I? What is my voice? So now is a time where you really just experiment with who you are and find out what are your core value systems and what are the things that you appreciate in yourself and try not to hear all the white noise around you and really get to know who you are. What would you guys say for girls who are also going through what you guys went through when you were younger? You have to find an outlet. Do not, do not, do not, if by any means, allow that stuff to fester inside of you. If you feel like you can't tell someone in your family because they're not listening, find someone who's willing to listen to you and willing to take action and to help you process these things. Uh, I would have to agree, finding your outlet, um, finding your community. I sought out family and my friends, which now as an adult, I know that was a boundary that I was crossing and it was unfair of me to put all of that expectation right. on my friendships because right. they weren't my family system. But at the same time, I felt like I had a broken family where I, I wanted to build that picket fence. I wanted to build you know, what white mainstream media was trying to feed me. And there was times that I ran away from home. Right. I, I ran away a handful of times, actually. And each time my mother would find me and she would welcome me back with open arms. There could have been so many situations that I put myself in that I probably wouldn't be here right now because I was listening to older people that were trying to take advantage of a situation and manipulate me because they saw that I came from a broken home and that I had no self-esteem. Someone really dear to me posted on his um, Instagram story, curate your community. And I have reposted this thing on my Facebook, my Instagram, my business Instagram, everywhere, my TikTok, because he's right. You have to curate your community and whatever that means to you. And what do you like to do, Delasia? Like, what's your outlet? You like art? You like to draw? No, do you like to draw? Yeah. So you yeah. like you like to draw people, or do you like to draw places? Dude, she's so uh, good at it. I've seen it. <laughs> it's really good. She makes or, like, uh, what are they called? Like those little like, you just like make really cool stuff, and it's I can show. 
Oh, they call up too. They're like oh, she makes jewelry. Yeah, oh. stuff and like she that. Draws. They're so, you're so very good. so this good. Is oh so wow, that's you're amazing. super creative. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I haven't even seen that. You want to be a fashion designer? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I want to put my art on clothing oh. and things. Oh, okay. Like, illustrate books like i write my own books at home too wow really? yeah that is incredible i'm a i would say that i'm a prolific writer and i write in my journal i have tons of things on my phone and when i was you you guys age i would make short stories and i would put myself in the short stories in order to go away to a distant land I think I find it hard for me sometimes to just talk about stuff because like especially now being a teenager and having like friend trouble or just like mm. family stuff um especially like when it comes to my father he passed away last year uh, my condolences and today's his anniversary actually but um it's kind of hard to talk mm. about stuff when people don't understand I really like finding the outlet because it helps. It really helps when you really need it. Yeah, and you've got some great outlets. Uh, she is a dancer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, she's uh, very assertive when it comes to being involved with the magazine. Yeah. I, I am so honored talent. to sit at this table with such strong women right here pioneers of the future yes you <laughs> ladies are the trailblazers y'all right. are going to break some ceilings oh. and not even in the future you're breaking them now you guys should give yourself some finger snaps yeah <laughs> all right now <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> I feel like I needed to like hear yeah. that from other people. Yeah. It just makes you feel a lot better when you can like hear uh, praise from someone else. Cause like when you hear it from like your mom, you're like, okay, you're, <laughs> you're my mom. <laughs> like, yeah, you're saying, cause you're my mom. But when you hear it from someone that you don't really know, it just feels so much better because you're getting another opinion from someone else. Whether you believe it or not, it still feels good to know that people are actually saying that to you, yeah, especially absolutely. when you're like younger and a girl and going oh, through yeah. stuff with social media. It just feels so much better. Yeah, mm -hmm. I get it. I'm insecure about my food. <laughs> which and you I should. Delicious. Which you should. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who hasn't tried Chef Key's food, let me tell you. <laughs> it is um, a holiday. So, uh, I'm yes, going to wait ASAP. Right. So uh, do try that out if you can. Um, you know, I think having you both here today has just been wonderful. Like, if people want to find you, um, what would be the best way for them to contact you, y'all? Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook. I mean, where, where, where you at? I am all over social media. Let's, let's, let's purpose that because, you know, Instagram chefs and food and things like that, people are very visual. So on Instagram, you can find me at Cooking Cups, which is cook 
underscore and spell it out a and b underscore cuffs i'm on facebook i'm on tiktok um, chef keys casey ross please follow like subscribe book a dinner come eat Oh my god, girl. Stop talking. It's a lot of. Woo! Woo! Uh, my girl know. was doing the happy dance. Just so you know, I'm free next Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me on Facebook, Daisy Moran, with an acento on the A. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. For, and it's never too young to start a LinkedIn. I always recommend in high school, you can create a LinkedIn, put all your classes that you're taking, even things that you're doing, like volunteer. Um, you know, always hype yourself up. Put yourself on a pedestal. Never shrink yourself. All right. Good job. Yay! Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. If you'd like to learn some more information about Love Girls Magazine, or maybe you even want to get involved, you can visit lovegirlsmagazine.com. And of course, we want to extend a huge thank you to WVIK for their partnership in making this podcast possible. And you, we want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning into another episode of Love Girls, the podcast, where every girl has a story and our stories matter. Matter.